Hi friends, welcome to the FBC Zealand Teaching Podcast. We are a local church in Zealand, Michigan, and we desire to know Christ and to make Him known. We invite you into the same journey with us now as we open the scriptures and as we ask God to teach us and reveal Himself to us in His Word. Thanks for stopping by. Hey, everyone. Yeah. Hey. 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 God bless you. And um, the first thing I want to say is students, stick around for the next hour. Uh, Parents and grandparents, too, because we're going to simulate an FCA huddle right in this room as if we were on campus with you. And that's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to laugh and we're going to play games and stuff like that. And you can do that. Jesus likes that. Okay. Um, And we're going to do that at the very beginning of the next hour. So we want you here for that. Um, students to see that because uh, you're what we are all about. Uh, he hit it already and said that Heather and I, we serve with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes in the Low Country, and our efforts are to bring every coach and every student into a thriving relationship with Jesus Christ in the church. We are for the every. Every walk of life, every person, um, every platform that we can get into uh, down there. <clears throat> and so, We're building, 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 and you'll hear a little bit more about that after we simulate the huddle in the next hour. Um, So thrilled to still be in partnership with First Baptist Church. Um, Heather and I are still members of of First Baptist Church, and and, uh, we hold to the covenant of fellowship with First Baptist Church from a thousand miles away uh, as best we can. And so it's wonderful to connect back and forth with you. So you have another reason to communicate with us because we're your brother and sister in Christ. We're part of God's family at First Baptist Church uh, right now until God leads us uh, somewhere else. So we would love that. So we came in Thursday night, and Friday was glorious. It was a paradise. It was 70, hey, Nate, it was 75 degrees outside and sunny and a gentle breeze. And I was like, we are in paradise. Welcome to Michigan. And then I got up early Saturday morning to go walking at Drent Grove Park. It was 56 degrees with 18-mile-an-hour winds up to 25-mile-an-hour wind gusts. And the drizzle was hitting me in the face like a 1,000 ant bites at once. And uh, I climbed into the van to warm up and to drive out of there. And there were these sweet, wonderful seven and eight-year-old softball girls getting ready for their softball game with purple hands and pink arms. And I was like, oh, that's right. I remember this place. (laughs) Yeah, you guys are rugged. You're tough. And Paul even this morning is going to ask for some of that ruggedness and that toughness. And it's not going to be about how weathered your hands are or how many times you have shoveled snow. It's going to be whether or not you have labored in prayer so that your speech to a lost world reaches people in a precise, powerful, and partnership fashion as the church of Jesus Christ. And we're going to go there here in just a second. And how great that we can today be better for the gospel of Jesus Christ because we gathered around the word and we're going to receive communion. So we have two pinnacles today. We have the word of God and we have the communion where we can consecrate ourselves uh, to our father as we remember what Jesus did for us. So let's pray together real quick and we're going to go right into Colossians chapter 4 verses 2 through 6. Heavenly Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come to you. It's in the all-sufficient name of Jesus. We only have to come to you through Jesus and we only have to live for you through Jesus because he is the all-sufficient one who has died for us, who has given us new life, who has sanctified us more and more to yourself, and one day will glorify us completely. We'll be removed from not only the power and the penalty of sin, but from the presence of sin. 
And so we're grateful here today to receive your word, which is your revelation to us. It's living and it's active. It's a double-sided or double-bladed sword, and it cuts through our sin. It cuts through our unbelief. It cuts through the hardness of our hearts, and it carves out new, tr- new places for your truth. And we welcome your work in us today, and we pray that your Holy Spirit guides all of our worship here. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Colossians chapter 4, if you have your Bible, you can pull it out. Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6. And as we prepare, I want you to understand that we're going to walk through this text, and it's about prayer, it's about presence, it's about partnership, it's about proclamation, it's about precision. When we were trying to convert the PowerPoint a couple hours ago, I just started talking to people for 90 minutes and never got to doing it, um, to switching it over. So um, you're going to have to repeat some things to me like I'm at a huddle, all right? It's about what? It's about prayer. It's about partnership. It's about proclamation. It's about presence. And it's about precision. All right? The five P's. Prayer, partnership, proclamation, um, precision, and, uh, oh, goodness, I forgot the last one. And uh, part, yeah, presence, excuse me. Prayer, presence, proclamation, precision, and partnership. So this is Paul's final appeal that he is making to the church at Colossae. After this section, he will make specific little requests and hellos and how do you do's to some of the other partners in the faith and the people that he knows through Epaphras who went there and brought the gospel to them. And that's a very important concept that you see from chapter 1 and verse 6 where it says, this gospel that has come to you, and then right after that, Paul says, he's heard about it coming to them through Epaphras, and he knows that it is bearing fruit more and more. And that's what the gospel does. When the gospel comes to people, it changes people, and then it bears more and more fruit. It's an unchanging gospel that continues, though, to change Lives, And this is Paul's final appeal. He is calling the church of Colossae to the significance that they really have in Christ, to fight the correct battles as they follow and represent Christ, and to faithfulness in their here and now. That's what he's calling them to. And we could literally say that first, and this is what Heather said on the plane. She goes, you know, I love the church at Colossae. She was there. She actually stood right by the creek um, near where the church of Colossae was. And um, she said, I love the church of Colossae because it was a blue collar church. Paul didn't even plant it. One of the people that he led to Christ in, in, in Ephesus uh, went there and brought the gospel there. It was a blue-collar place. It really wasn't. The Romans really didn't invest in Colossae at all. It just made it on its own. And to us, that is First Baptist Church of Zealand. Blue-collar through and through, hardworking, faithful. Believe me, there is so much transition and transitory nature in the church of Jesus Christ. And then I come back and I see Nels Gruppen right in the same seat as I've seen him for 50 15 years. And he looks exactly the same. My hand disappears into his hand when he shakes my hand, right? He feels the same way too. I don't think his skin is ever going to soften ever again. I think it's just tough and rugged forever. You're a faithful, fighting, battling church that is committed to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you remain so, it's going to be very easy for you to do today what God is inviting us to do through his word. Because what he's saying is, is all of this wonderful truth that you have internalized on your insides, it needs to make it to your outsides. It needs to make it in your prayer, in your partnership, in your presence, in your proclamation, 
and in your precision. It needs to make it out there to a lost and dying world. And while Paul certainly is protecting the gospel by reaffirming the sufficiency of Jesus Christ, that there is a Jesus 1.0, there is no Jesus 2.0, there is no Jesus plus or Jesus minus or anything, it's just Jesus. Say it with me, church, it's just Jesus. And that's where we stand today as we approach Colossians chapter 4 because I know your pastor has been teaching you well in this book of the Bible. So um, it was D.L. Moody that said this. He said, we should not fear failure. That's not what we should fear. We should fear succeeding at something that does not matter. We shouldn't fear failure. We should fear succeeding at something that does not matter. And what that ultimately reveals is that our hearts are directed towards something that does not matter. We are not as gospel-centered and gospel-incisive as we want to be. And this is where the Apostle Paul is saying, look, I'm calling for your significance. I'm calling for your incisive living here, church. And so let's set the stage together. We are at the bookend, the back bookend of the book of Colossians. The front bookend is Colossians 1, 9 through 14. And we're going to read that aloud here in a second. The back bookend is Colossians 4, 2 through 6. They're literally the encasings or the enclosures of the letter itself. There's the greeting right at the beginning. Um, and, and there's a couple of other statements by Paul. And then there are other salutations and, and things stated at the end. But right there between those two bookends is the heart of this work of the letter to the church of Colossae, which sounds a lot like his letter to Ephesus, but, but specifically geared to the church at Colossae. And so we are going to take a look at both of the bookends because the front bookend, what, it, what, what Paul prays for the church at Colossae is what he preaches that they do themselves at the back end of the conversation. So if you would please, in respect for God's word, let's stand up and let's read God's word together. Thank you for your love of the word of God. First, 1 Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 to 14, the front bookend of his writing. And so from the day we heard, heard what? Heard about how the gospel came and was bearing fruit. From the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy." giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us. Now here's here's the real doctrinal value of all of this. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. All right, now remain standing for me because now what we're going to do is we're going to reach the other bookend. We saw incredible themes At the beginning there, he wants us filled with the knowledge of God's will. He wants us walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. He wants us pleasing him. He wants us bearing fruit. He wants us strengthened with all power. He wants us enduring and patient until the end. And now he's going to challenge us. He's going to exhort us. He's going to call us, Blue Collar First Baptist Church of Zealand, the same way that he did the Church of Colossae. He's going to say, verse 2, Continue steadfastly 
in prayer. The word there really means to to devote yourselves to prayer, to, to, to grip on, gripping on God. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may t- make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom tor- toward outsiders, making the best use of the time Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Church, this is the word of God. Hallelujah. Amen. You can be seated. So if we recognize from the front book end and the back book end that really this letter, this necessary letter to the church at Colossae, because of difficulties that were having, they were having there, plus the encouragement Paul wanted to make as a brother that had prayed continually for them, all of the book of Colossians is written to Christians that will benefit from great theology that leads to powerful lifestyle proclamation. So there are a lot of people that have great theology, and they can put it in books, and they can, they can speak it out loud. But the question that God has for us here this morning, or one of the questions that he has is this, is your great theology benefiting your lifestyle proclamation? Is your great theology, if you know the truth, and you've internalized the truth, and you've embraced the truth, has it so changed you, so inspired you, and so conformed you to the image of God, that it is making it into your lifestyle proclamation. Are you benefiting from that great theology? That first bookend, Paul is praying that we be filled with the knowledge of his will. All right? Guess what? If you know God, if you really, really know God, you want what God wants. And if you want what God wants, you go out there to help God with what he wants. And when you go out there to help with God wants, you realize there's a whole lot of stuff that God can do that you can't do. And so you pray. And you devote yourself to prayer. The spiritually indecisive person is the under-influenced by God, the unconvinced of God. Are you spiritually indecisive here this morning? Listening on the live broadcast, are are you spiritually indecisive? Do Do you keep on making excuses for why you don't act because maybe it's not so much that you don't know what to do. It's you just don't want to do it. He doesn't just know what is going on, Paul says. He does, that, that's not that, that's not, not that kind of person. He has great theology going on inside of us. He has an active and living God that he knows is at work in the world. And that prayer, that prayer warrior is looking for God. People that can obey on the spot, people that can be disciplined toward greater impact in their future, are people that know the pleasure of God. Their heart's tune is to the pleasure of God. Of God. So they're looking, they're watching, they're available, they're present. So next, Paul wants people walking in a manner worthy of the gospel. And he's saying our lifestyles should match our matchless gospel. Next, he says they're supposed to be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. Actually, the way the Greek reads there is you should be enabled by God's power. In other words, you should be God powered is really the way that the Greek reads there. In a shorter expression, Paul prays that the Colossians are God-powered in every way. Then he prays for patience and endurance. To Thessalonica, he said, stand firm in the faith. To Corinth, he pleaded for them to remain immovable. Our faith in Christ and Christ alone 
is one that should endure the merry-go-round of worldly offerings and false gospels, that should reject Jesus 2.0 and stick with Jesus 1.0. And so in this front end, in this front bookend, just to summarize, Paul has prayed that the church at Colossae would be God-knowing, would be God-growing, would be God-walking, would be God-powered, and would be God-enduring. Let's, let's, let's repeat that. Let's repeat that. He prayed that they would be God-knowing, that they would be God-growing, that they would be God-walking, they would be God-powered, and they would be God-enduring. Church, the great truths that I internalize as I know, as I grow, as I am strengthened, as I endure, are the catalysts, catalysts for my fruit bearing. The work that God is doing in me translates to a work that God is doing with me and through me. And there's your great theology and there's your great praxology all in one. The gospel that has become me is the gospel that people need to see. Ready? It's not on the screen. Ready to repeat it after me. The gospel that has become me is the gospel people need to see. Great. Dads and moms, repeat that to your children. The gospel that has become in me is the gospel that people need to see. This is faith. But this is also what will defeat all of those hollow and deceptive teachings that Pastor Jeremy taught you about in chapter 2 that suggest it's Jesus plus something or as Jesus is not enough, he's not sufficient. It will send the right message to every domain of darkness in our world that it's Christ alone that forgives. It's Christ that redeems. It's Christ that heals. It's Christ that sustains. And there's our first bookend. But we also have to make connections between the first bookend and the last bookend and see some recurring themes. Now, the the most recurring of all of the themes um, that exist from chapter 1 all the way to chapter 4 is this idea of gratitude, of thankfulness. You know, if I am thanking God with my life, if I can still look back at all the things that God has done, and continue to recognize those things and say, God, I, I really love you and, 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 and have gratitude for the things you have done. Guess what also that translates into in my present? I'm looking for that same God. And you've worshipped, you've, say, you've sang the song, same God, right? This is the same God, the God that did all of this stuff. When we look at him in gratitude and we offer our thanks and worship to him, now we're looking for him right here, right now. Are you looking for God right now? Are you looking for God right now? I have my dear brother, Leo Godillo, who is home with Joan right now as she still is battling cancer. And we got to visit with him yesterday. And he said, Pastor Clinton, Pastor Clinton, you know what? People need the Lord. People need the Lord. And he's saying Lord, but he says, people need the Lord. That's a great great present idea, is it not? And so he says, and so Pastor Clinton, every morning we pray for you. So now you tell us what happened with our prayers. What happened? We want to know what happened with our prayers. We prayed. We knew. We know the God. 
that has delivered us, that has redeemed us, that has set us free from sin, who's taken us from a domain of darkness and, and put us into the kingdom of the son that he loves. We know that's a God that's active and living and he's here and now and he's here today. So tell us, if we pray for that God to do stuff for you, we want to know. That's faith. That's your insides translating to your outsides. That's faith. And so there are a couple of themes. One was gratitude. This is the fifth time that Paul has called the church to thankfulness in Colossians. As soon as I forget that Jesus paid it all, that I, all to him I owe, you know that song too? Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. As soon as I forget that, I move to Jesus paid some of it and I shop for the rest of it. Jesus paid some of it and I shop for the rest of it. How many of us sometimes look for Jesus 2.0? I move into shallow, powerless living. And Christian, a part of your gospel speech to this dying world is your gratitude to Jesus Christ, your Savior. Another theme is the mystery of this gospel. He speaks about it in chapter 1 and in chapter 2 he says this amazing thing. The mystery of this gospel is Christ in you. How is it that in the Old Testament as we saw this holy God that no one, no one, not Moses, not Gideon, not any, not, not Abraham, nobody could justify themselves before God by walking in holiness. The only way was to place their faith in God doing something on their behalf, substituting for them an animal sacrifice or something, something, something there in the Old Testament that would point us to this Messiah, this holy one that would come into the world and would demonstrate through the fact that he was completely divine and he would bring the kingdom of God through powerful preaching, through deliverance from all kinds of demonic evil and miracles that would heal um, all types of people, that that would be very God who is holy, that would die the death that we should have died to give us a life that we've never deserved. This mystery would be uncovered through this Messiah, Jesus Christ, and it would show up. But the mystery would continue with the church of Jesus Christ because it would be the church of Jesus Christ. They would have this glorious unveiling of the mystery to the world, to this dying world. It's Christ in us. He's in us. He's inside of us. I'm, no, I'm not living the Clint life. I'm living the crucified life. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. This mystery that solves the problem of my inability to be holy, to be forever in right relationship with God. It's unveiled with Jesus. It's an, his anointed and appointed son who paid the immense debt of my trespasses and imputed upon me righteousness. And so he says in Colossians 1.27, to them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You want to help solve the mystery? Be Jesus to the world. It's already revealed. Now you just have to testify to it. All right, so now let's move to the second bookend. And we'll move fairly quickly because we want to get to the communion and have time to really ponder what Christ has done for us. And so there are various aspects of this life of speech. If you were to say, if somebody said, well, what did Pastor Clint talk about? This morning, 
All right? It would be simply this. Speak to, speak for, speak well. Ready? Speak to, speak for, speak well. Speak to who? To God. Speak to God continually. Always be in dialogue with God. Just as Paul said to the church of Thessalonica in verse 17 of chapter 5. What did he say? Pray without ceasing. Stay in constant dialogue with God. Speak to. Speak for. As ambassadors of his reconciliation, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Call people to be reconciled to God. And thirdly, which is really where the emphasis is here this morning at the conclusion, is speak well with precision and decision. Be decisive, be incisive, but be sprinkled with grace, taking advantage of every opportunity that exists. So it's a life of speech that Paul is going to be talking about, and the first part of that life of speech is the speak to. It is prayer. It was Charles Haddon Spurgeon that said it this way, it is the highest activity of the human soul, the ultimate test of my spiritual desires. Wow. The highest activity of the human soul. The ultimate test of my spiritual desires. My friend John MacArthur says this. A Christian should carry the weapon of all prayer like a drawn sword in his hand. He should never, we should never sheath our supplications. Never may our hearts be like an unlimbered gun with everything to be done to it before it can thunder upon its foe. But it should be like a piece of cannon, loaded and primed, only requiring the fire that it must be discharged. The soul should not always be in the exercise of prayer, but always in the energy of prayer. Not always actually praying, but always intentionally praying. And so, in verse 2, he says... Pray, devote yourself to prayer, being what? Two things, watchful and thankful. Watchful, why? Because the God of our gospel, he reveals things to us in prayer. He reveals things to us in prayer. We we know this. We know that Paul many times said, I am prayerfully convinced. It was a, a value that I presented to this congregation for 10 years. We must be prayerfully convinced in how we strategize ministry. Prayer heightens our spiritual ability of hearing and obeying God. Not just hearing God, but obeying God. Be watchful. I'm going to hear an amazing story of watchfulness. Heather and I have the privilege of being partnered with South Asia. So we are on prayer teams with India and with Israel. We even hosted missionaries in March uh, down there that were from Israel that are incarnating the gospel right there. Um, in Israel. But we have Indian missionaries on a prayer call and uh, several of them are marathon runners and half marathon runners and they just love to run. And they run the countryside and they just don't have stoplights everywhere so they can just keep running and running and running. And so they run and we have this friend, Bhaskaran, who leads the prayer time, and he invites some of his other brothers in the Lord that, that serve alongside FCA in FCA India. And they run for miles, and, and this one brother came on, and he testified to this story. He said, God woke him up and told him to go running. And so he went running. And I have no reason to believe that any of this is untrue. I'll let you allow God to speak this truth to you. But he goes out and he goes running. And God says, run through these fields. And so he goes off of the road and begins running through the fields. And he's run a mile, two miles, three miles, four miles. Okay? And so you're already tired. This guy is just probably just getting his warm-up in. 
all right? But he runs and runs and runs. He gets about six miles and God tells him to run toward this treed area. And he runs to this treed area and God says, stop. And in the shade of this tree, he stops and he can't, he doesn't hear anything and he doesn't hear anything and he doesn't hear anything. And so he does, hopefully what I would do, he says, well, Lord, (laughs) you took me six miles off, off course Uh, What do you want me to do now? God, you told me to be here. What do I do now? And he heard a voice 15 feet above him in the tree. And there was a man who was about to commit suicide, tying a rope around his neck and about to jump off the branch. And he said, who are you talking to? And Bhaskaran's friend Paul said, I'm talking to God. God is my savior. He is my king. He's the one true God of the universe. And he told me to come here and to run right here to this place. And he said, I believe he came here to have me talk to you and to talk you down out of that tree and to tell you about Jesus Christ. And he spent a solid hour and a half with this man and led him to the Savior. Now that is prayerful watchfulness. That's watchfulness. He says, pray and watch, right? But he also says, be thankful in prayer because we're partners with God, but we've got to have great gratitude in our prayer. I work with Autry Denson. He is a, a football coach that is now the running backs coach of the Arizona Cardinals, and we do uh, uh, accountability on Mondays, and we just tell these amazing stories. And Autry Denson is one of those people saying that just like Leo, he says, Clint, I prayed. You better tell me what's up. And so I say, well, here's what's going on with me, and I, I hear about him. But Autry got fired unexpectedly from Charleston Southern University as its head, head coach. An incredible influence that had established this football ministry there and spent two months with me in prayer, and we were just saying, God, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? And Autry was thinking, do I go and start uh, selling financial plans again? Do I start selling real estate? What do I, what do, I do? Maybe I'm what, you know, asking that question and watching for God, but saying, God, I'm going to thank you for whatever my next is. And then the Arizona Cardinals come, and he is hired as their running back's coach. He had to pick up his family, a junior in high school and a sophomore in high school, and had to move his wife out there to Arizona, and they've been settled in Arizona for about six weeks. And uh, Yesterday, or two days ago, well, my wife and I are uh, about to enjoy a nice lunch at El Rancho. Great place. Um, Cinco de Mayo. And, uh, and we're, we're enjoying that. And, and he and I have this conversation. He says, Clint, I just have to give thanks to God. He said, had we not, had we not obeyed God and listened to God and moved all the way across the country and had I not taken that job with the Arizona Cardinals and had I not gone through all the drudgery of moving my wife and my family, this would not have happened. You see, in South Carolina, his wife was diagnosed with Meniere's disease so severe that she many times would dry heave um, and have to lay on the couch. And we rarely ever saw her because she was uh, pretty much recumbent at home. She just, she could barely get outside. And so Audrey would have to go from being this intense head football coach of a college football team to going home and being gentle and absorbent and ministering to his wife. For years, this went on. And she was told that she had Meniere's disease. Well, she, the, the, the coaches at Arizona say, well, you know, the, the family members of coaches the team doctor is at their service. The, the team doctor is kind of on retainer, 
you need to go and see the team doctor about this. Well, the team doctor runs some tests on Elaine and finds out that she's two and a half pints low of blood. He said, you don't just have low blood sugar, you, you have low blood. You need to go to the hospital right now and we need to put blood in you. And we need to figure out how to get your body to make more blood and give you a regimen so that there's blood in your body. And she went to the hospital and they, gave her, and they, they stayed there overnight. And here Audrey Denson in the first month that he's moved his family to Arizona is now in the hospital with, with his wife overnight. And she's got needles and plugs and machines all around her and things like that. And he is thanking God because had they not gone over there, they would not have found this out. She would have continued to walk this very shallow and feeble life. And they went on a date Monday night together and spent three hours together on a date because God had restored her body. And the doctor also checked out the Meniere's disease and said, you know what, let's do two weeks of Zyrtec and see what happens. And she hasn't had an episode in two weeks. And Audrey Denson was watching, and he was thanking. He saw the Lord, and he saw what the Lord was doing. So that life of speech starts with prayer, but it also is with partnership. What did the Apostle Paul say? He said, I want you praying for us that God would open a door for us. Now, he doesn't throw that. My wife and I, we recognize that you guys pray more for us than we do for you. And we are totally fine with that, by the way. We want to be some of the most prayed for people on the planet, all right? If we get more than we dish out, we are cool with that, church. I want you to know. But Paul prayed in chapter 1. Paul was already a partner with the church before he asked the church to partner with him. But he says, be my partner in this gospel and pray for us and, and be uh, be, be a partner with us. Prayer is partnership. How do I know that someone is truly my partner in the gospel? When I hear that they have battled with me in prayer. Not only that, but when they call me and they say, Pastor Clinton, you tell me what happened because I, I have prayed for you. Prayer, partnership. Third, proclamation. Proclamation. We don't just throw up billboards of information about our gospel, do we? We bring it specifically and incisively to others. We bring it through a complete and replete lifestyle. How is your lifestyle proclamation? You know, I want to be the kind of person that people would want to be with whether they knew I was going to tell them about Jesus or not. I'd want to be that person. I mean, I've never been able to avoid all enemies. Still, still get enemies with the way that I live. But guided by prayer powered by his strength, not my own, approaching those appointed to speak into their lives, leaving those results to God. How is your lifestyle proclamation? Paul told the church at Colossae to be precise, to be decisive and incisive. So as you proclaim, we invite you to pray for us as we proclaim, but you proclaim too, but do it with precision. Be, the, in the first part of precision is be present be available. If you know God, you're ready for his work. Be decisive and incisive and sprinkle your speech with salt and make the most of every opportunity. God is the only being in the universe, this is Francis Chan, is the only being who is good and the standards are set by him 
Because God hates sin, he has to punish those guilty of sin. Maybe that's not an appealing standard to the world. But to put it bluntly, when you get your own universe, you can make your own standards. And what Francis Chan is saying there is we've got to be present, but we've got to be precise. Heather and I went through a membership class where the pastor said, you know, well, everyone has a hole in their heart. And Jesus wants to fill the hole in their heart. And we got in the car and I said, I think there's more to it than that. People are going to hell without Jesus Christ. They're going to a a godless, Christless eternity without Jesus Christ. We let our students and we let our coaches know the whole deal, the consummate message of the gospel. We do not do Jesus minus stuff or Jesus plus stuff. We do just Jesus. Are you present? Are you precise? All the truth of the gospel, the right way, with the fullness of God's grace, sprinkled with salt, making the most of every opportunity. I want to be that person, and you want to be that person. And because you have internalized the truths that are in Colossians, you can be that person whose words are sprinkled with grace, whose truths are specific, incisive, and absolute. After Peter preached to the people in Acts chapter 2, and told them the whole truth of the gospel about Messiah Jesus Christ. It says in verse 37 of chapter 2, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Church, listen, we, we, we think that we have inundated our worlds with the gospel of Jesus Christ, and there's like 49% of our country is over here and 49% of the country is over here and there's like 12 people in South Dakota that are undecided, right? And we just need to send one more missionary and it'll be done, right? Every day, Heather and I get a sense of go here, wait here, speak here, live and dwell here, be present here, maybe for a year, two years, whatever. God is sending and God is working all the time. Just because we have a clearly, more clearly defined set of the unbelieving and the believing, even though that is still shaking itself out, does not mean that the gospel of Jesus Christ would not reveal itself to a million, 10 million, 100 million people today if God were to so choose. So circling back, what must I do by faith here today? Well, he knows how to overcome with God in prayer That person also has heaven and earth at his disposal. That's Spurgeon again. He who knows how to overcome with God in prayer has heaven and earth at his disposal. What a statement. Francis Chan wraps it up this way. He says, sometimes I think I just talked to the God of the universe and he listened to me. Then I listen and I think the God of the universe just answered me. Is that not the most incredible thing? That's rich theology right there. When we were over at the Gordillos, hello, I don't know where there's a camera. So hello, Leo and Joan watching right now. We said, Joan, how you doing? And she said, well, Pastor Clint, I'm completely settled with my condition. I know that I'm going to Jesus. But she goes, I have written letters to all 12 of my grandchildren. And I pray specific things for all of them because I know exactly where they are in their relationship with God. Every single one of them. She was being precise. 
She was being present. She was being decisive and incisive with everything. And she was saying, I know how to pray for this child. I know the next conversation that I'm going to have with this child. I know how to pray for this child. And the next conversation that I'm going to have with this child. And I'm just going, teach me, woman. Pray. Partner. Proclaim. Be present. Be precise. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, that we get to meet your son again now in communion as we just met him in your word. Thank you for your truths that are already resonating in our hearts. Help us to speak to, speak for, and speak well. We rely completely upon you, Lord Jesus. And it's your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope that what you heard inspires you to take the next step in your faith. If you have questions,